Michigan schools have seen better days. Once ranked among the best in the nation, years of population loss, policy changes, and budget squeezes have taken their toll. In recent years, test scores have been disappointing, and despite all the effort put into reversing the slide, it hasn't been an easy fix at all. One thing we can all agree on, if we're going to make Michigan public education great again, we'll need great teachers. But we're not doing too well by them either. This is Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. I'm Nancy Derringer, Communications Director for the Research Council, and in this podcast, we look at Michigan through a policy lens. Our discussions here are informed by our 103 years of experience doing nonpartisan, fact-based research on policy issues. We hope this podcast will serve as another way for the public to access our work, which is, as always, free and available to all at our website, crcmich.org. Today, we'll be discussing a disconnect we explain in our most recent report. The state is increasing education spending, but comparatively little of it is finding its way into teacher paychecks, leading to stagnant salaries at a time when we need the best teachers we can get. I'm joined today by our director of research, Craig Thiel, who did this uh, most recent paper that we did on the stagnant salaries that we are paying to Michigan teachers. Craig, welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay. Um, in a few sentences, can you tell us essentially what the gist of this paper uh, is and what we found? Right. So we were trying to look at the seeming paradox uh, that most Michigan residents are uh, seeing in uh, education funding in the state. And that's that we've seen... Uh, by some claims, record investment levels in public education. At the same time, we're hearing from the field that teacher salaries are not seeing any of that increased funding that's going to schools and trying to figure out what it is that's accounting for this discrepancy between you know, one trend escalating and the other trend, teacher salaries, kind of flatten. Okay. And we did find one obvious culprit here. And what is that? We did. And this isn't something new. This is something that the Research Council has been bird-dogging um, for over a decade. Um, and that is the impact uh, on school funding that our teacher retirement system has had. And specifically, some decisions that have been made um, in large measure to uh, kind of balance the state budget over years, but also um, broader forces have been at work in terms of the uh, performance of the uh, retirement investment portfolio during the Great Recession. Um, those factors broadly combine to create pressure on school budgets that are drawing resources away from other spending in schools. Okay. And this is a story that is absolutely not confined just to teachers. I mean, this is something that the auto companies are uh, were seeing before the bankruptcy, um, and a lot of other companies that um, that offer post retirement benefits or did in the past. Correct. 
Right, right. And it's it's acute um, in public sector, largely because of the, you know, the presence of defined benefit pension plans in the public sector vis-a-vis the private sector. Um, and, and we've seen this problem not just in the school community, but in local governments um, across the state as well as, you know, nationally. Uh, the, the pension uh, appetite is just almost insatiable when it comes to the, the funding requirements that are needed to, to pay these benefits or to put the money aside to pay that so they'll be able to pay the benefits when uh, teachers, police officers, um, you know, government workers, government yeah. workers, uh, retire. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's step away from that, um, for just a second and get to kind of some of the broader issues, um, with how Michigan pays its teachers. Now I've always been told that Michigan on average does pretty well, um, by its teachers in that our average salaries are fairly high, or at least they're in the top half top third of the country is that true yeah yeah so you know we we looked at what michigan's uh, average teacher salary and again when we say average we mean average um you know uh, the average across 500 districts um is roughly sixty two thousand dollars a year um but if you drill down to the individual district level you're going to have considerable variation but Acknowledging that we're dealing with a statewide average and then looking at other states' averages, Michigan does pretty well. That $62,000 figure puts us at about 13th nationally um, in the most recent ranking. Uh, But that is down, I should note, from the high single digits uh, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, Michigan has traditionally had a relatively high teacher average teacher salary um, and it's come down um, in the national perspective but it's still above the US average which settles in at about 60,000 okay um, but there's also some kind of weird discrepancies too I think you said that uh, you, you found that starting salaries for Michigan teachers the people who are coming right out of college um, are are low on the national scale correct yeah, yeah, and there it's um, the case that Michigan starts its teachers off at a relatively low uh, salary level, about thirty-six thousand dollars, compared to the U.S. average of thirty-nine thousand. So, um, and and that suggests that uh, you know, looking at the low starting salary and then the uh, high relative to the U.S. average average salary suggests that teachers in their first five uh, to ten years uh, probably make larger annual increases uh, uh, relative to, you know, the national average because by the time you've got your average teacher, which is probably, you know, looking at somewhere in the range of 15 years, 20 years of service, uh, their salary is up above the national average. Okay. So, and that's, you know, that's not too uncommon for a lot of jobs, you know, start, start low and then you make some big gains in the first few years and then you kind of settle in at this sort of, you know, step and lane rhythm that, that kind of, you know, bumps you up, not all that much. So, okay. Right. I mean, and keeping in mind that Unlike other states, some other states uh, that might have statewide uh, teacher salary schedules, again, they're they're largely designed based on 
the education experience that you're uh, you have, and then your years in service. That's kind of the the model. But other states might have a statewide system that's setting these salaries. Michigan, it's all set at the local level. Um, so those 550 school districts uh, in Michigan all have different uh, ways of approaching this. Right. And yeah, and which is how you end up with um, teachers in some of these smaller communities um, in some of the rural areas of the state, particularly up north, um, not making much at all. Uh, but, you know, down here in uh, suburban Detroit or Lansing, um, they can do pretty well. So and which makes it hard to recruit teachers to some of these areas as well. Uh, most definitely. Uh, you know, people go into teaching um, partially, um, you know, for the financial benefits, um, which include the salary as well as, you know, some of the uh, health care and retirement benefits that you have. But it also has to be acknowledged that people are entering the profession because it is something they really want to do and they have a uh, desire to help kids um, and keeping in mind that you know, the financial considerations do play a part, but they're not the only part in this equation. Right. But they are a significant part. I mean, we still have to consider, I mean, there are people who go into teaching because it is absolutely a calling for them. You know, it's like, it's like entering, almost like entering a priesthood or something like that. But, you know, they still have to pay their own bills. And, um, you know, this is, Some people seem to think that it's almost vulgar to talk about, you know, getting better teachers by offering more money for it for them. But at the same time, that's simply the reality of how we value work in this country. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, it's not just on the recruiting side and the entry level uh, uh, positions, but it's also retaining teachers. Um, So that's probably why you see Michigan's uh, you know, the salary being low initially, um, probably as a deterrent, but once people get in, the salary schedules are designed to, at least anecdotally to keep them in there. Right. Um, but as we've seen the the average salary stagnate, people are saying, at least, you know, in, in, in terms of the that average teacher, they're not seeing any uh, benefit from these rising uh, uh, revenues that are coming into school districts. Right. Okay. Which takes us back to pensions. Um, what part of the pension system is driving these cost increases? Right. So there's a couple major uh, levers that are kind of being pushed. Um, one is we're still um, dealing with the uh, legacy of of costs that we from years ago not putting the money away that we should have. If you put the money away uh, when you should and your investments uh, assumptions are met, you shouldn't have any of this kind of lingering debt, legacy debt that um, that you need to finance. In the case of Michigan, we have this legacy debt that we need to finance. So those are that's a cost that if you had a fully funded system, you wouldn't bear. So then why is that cost increasing? Well, that cost is increasing uh, for, for a couple reasons. Um, one, each year uh, that we don't put the right amount away, uh, that cost can go up. And it's gone up a little bit when we we miss our mark. Also, if we miss 
the investment uh, assumption, um, we'll have to put a little more money away. And there has been years uh, in the recent past where we haven't hit our investment mark. So there's some of that. Um, Another lever that we see is that the state has gotten um, uh, the message, the, the state retirement system has gotten the message that some of the assumptions that we've used in the past about longevity, investment returns, the payroll growth, that's the basis of which the contributions are made, those assumptions were, were not uh, accurate. And so they've recalibrated those assumptions and when you recalibrate those assumptions it actually drives your your debt up and so it, it's a kind of a good news bad news story the good okay. news is we're more accurately reflecting you know reality in terms of our assumptions uh, for funding but that recalibration results in a larger uh, debt that we have to finance over a period of time um, so Right now, uh, we're seeing annual increases uh, to finance the pension debt of roughly 100 to $200 million across the entire system. Um, and that, that plays out for a few more years uh, before it levels out, assuming all of our assumptions are met. So in the last um, you know, 20, 30 years, we have seen some pretty big changes in Michigan's public education structure. We have charter schools, um, and in order to cut costs, in part to pay their pension obligations, districts are privatizing services, uh, such as janitorial, you know, cafeteria workers, that kind of thing, which means fewer people are paying into the, um, the MIPSERS, which is what the Michigan Public, mm, I can't remember the acronym, but it's the Michigan uh, Teacher Pension Fund. Is that... Is that part of what this is complicating this problem? Well, both of those kind of uh, developments, the charter schools um, and, you know, the students that enroll there and the staffing um, that's involved, those uh, entities aren't uh, participants in the state uh, retirement system. And then the privatization uh, means that you are taking uh, staff that were part of the retirement system and moving them outside of the retirement system. So right. both of both of those are effectively uh, kind of uh, headwinds to the payroll base, the growth in the payroll base. And this goes back to my earlier point is if the you have an assumption that the payroll base is growing by 3% per year and but because of you know the growth of charter schools and uh, students enrolling in those schools and staffing being sta staffing levels being stagnant at traditional districts or privatization again staffing levels in traditional districts going down that that payroll assumption isn't met and so that means overall the system has to finance uh, that debt over a smaller payroll base, um, you know. So, yes, uh, yeah. your point is that, uh, you know, those factors are, uh, you know, uh, working against funding the, the pension uh, obligations, um, increasing the obligations. Uh, bleh, what do I want to say? Okay. That's, that's, that's basically what Hopefully I mean. you can get something out of there. Okay. I can, yeah. So the answer is essentially yes. Okay. 
This is a problem that a lot of local governments and school districts are dealing with because Michigan over the last 20 years has been a either a stagnant or a contracting um, state from, you know, from from border to border. Um, we have we had fewer we have fewer people, so we need fewer teachers. Um, and so consequently, this is this is not an unfamiliar problem to a lot of um, pension managers at the municipal level, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, this is a, a challenge for uh, local governments of all uh, colors um, and all sizes and all shapes. Okay. But eventually it will write itself um, because all those retired teachers will eventually be out of the system. Um, is this a problem that could kind of slowly resolve itself, or is this something that requires more urgent attention? Um, you know, it, it, the the challenge with uh, pension funding is that it's based on um, assumptions uh, that have to be met, and when those assumptions aren't met, um, and the and then uh, policymakers and decision makers don't respond with the appropriate. Uh, you know, funding, because that funding is competing for, you know, services today. If they don't put the money in to fund the pensions when it's required, it literally creates a problem that's compounded year after year. So um, the challenge for policymakers is to look long term, put the money aside when it's required to be put aside. And, uh, you know, that way, further down the road, the problem isn't you know, exponentially larger. That was not the kind of the operating uh, pers uh, perspective, you know, in the early 2000s and throughout the, the decade as the budget was, at least the state budget was really constrained and policymakers were trying to keep funding to schools from being cut or um, provide uh, at least some small increase um, to, to schools for current operations. Right. Okay. So this research landed a few days back, and um, there have been some stories about it in the media, and I have read some of the reader comments on these stories, and some of them are very predictable because you see them on every story about teacher compensation. And, you know, what do you say to the people, and we know that some of them are probably listening, who respond to these stories with, you know, a shrug and say that benefits are great and salaries are fine, the job is great, three months off, blah, 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 stop complaining. Well, I think that the key that we're drawing out in this research is that there is this challenge, um, mm -hmm. funding challenge. Uh, teacher pay is not rising uh, despite the fact that Funding going into public education is rising, and the challenges of funding this uh, pension obligation are taking you know precedent over teacher salaries. Um, that's the right thing to do um, because these are obligations that are going to have to be paid, and we can't get out of them. No, they're constitutionally um, protected. Right, right. But it also has to be acknowledged at the same time that. It's somewhat demoralizing when you don't get a pay raise or you don't see your work valued in terms of uh, your salary. And, you know, policymakers need to, to reconcile that. Um, 
the average is the average. I can't do it. You know, we can't do anything about that. Um, it's, it's just how it's calculated. Right. Okay. So it's, it's a matter of showing respect for people who do a very important job and, um, respecting our obligations to the people who used to do a very important job (laughs) who are now retired. Correct. Right. Okay. And that will do it for this edition of Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. Remember, the council operates as a public resource, and all of our papers, along with blogs, op-eds, and other resources, are available for download on our website, crcmich.org. We operate as a nonprofit, thanks to the generosity of Michigan's corporations, foundations, and individuals like you. If you'd like to make a donation... Go to our website, crcmich.org, and click on the contribution button on the homepage. We also welcome feedback, which you can send via email to crcmich at crcmich.org. I'm Nancy Derringer, and until next time, I leave you with this observation by our founding president, Lent Upson. The right to criticize government is also an obligation to know what you're talking about.